another podcast episode from Postcards from Antioch. Today we are learning about the Trinity, which is a massive topic, um, and we have got the lovely Oz Power joining us who, yeah, is going to take us through this big old theological topic, Oz. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, and excited to look into what is indeed, as you say, a massive topic, but such an important one. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so where do you want us to start? How are we going to yeah, approach this big old topic? Well, let's, let's, we'll open it up with a few introduct- introductory comments and then I'll, I'll work through a few uh, important areas. But I suppose the first thing I wanted to say was it's one of those words, isn't it, that generates a reaction, um, a feeling. And already we've mm. maybe indicated that. And I remember a, a friend told me once, who was studying a master's in theology, he said, oh, I've decided what my thesis is going to be on. It's going to be on the Trinity. And my my first reaction was, are you serious? I would not be choosing that topic. I would be going for something far easier. And and I think that, yeah, I don't know, what does it generate in your mind, that that word? Mm. I guess what my, my response even to your friend choosing it as his like thesis topic is like, well, okay, well, what about the Trinity? Because for me, okay, yes, you've got the the working out how the Father, Son and Spirit relate, relate to each other. Like, how is it three persons in one? Like that, but also just, yeah, it's such a, a broad concept and there's so many different angles of looking at the Trinity and, and trying to understand it. So I guess, yeah, to be honest, the the initial reaction is just like, I cannot get my head around this. Like, how does one start to make sense of it and make sure we're not falling into kind of like heresy or errors? And yeah, so that's my initial reaction, if I'm honest, Oz. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. And I think that's one reason why I've always been a little bit um, overwhelmed by the, by the word, mm. by the doctrine of the Trinity is that, oh, um, I better get this right, because it's such an important doctrine uh, within Orthodox Christianity. Uh, and I think a few people have said various, well, lots of people have said an awful lot about the Trinity. We know that. Mm. Um, but one illustration could be it, uh, that of an iceberg. Um, we know, don't we, 90% or more is below the surface and all we see is the tip. And all I'm going to say right at the start of this is we're going to scratch a little bit of the tip of this iceberg, which is the Trinity. And there's so much more we could dig uh, in to understand God. And that's what Trinity is, this kind of word that sounds theological, but actually it's about God. And God is a God who who has revealed himself Um and yet, um, I think Augustine said, if you can understand it, it's not God. Um, mm. So as we, if we think we've got the Trinity, then we haven't got the Trinity, because the Trinity is all about God, who is on one level knowable, but another level beyond our comprehension fully. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And actually, it makes me think of um, trying to explain the kin- the, kinity, the trinity to, to children. And you get the two extremes. You get the, the childlike faith um, of, well, literally children who are like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, three people, one part, like one God, that's all fine. And they just kind of like accept that they won't be able to understand it. And then some children who are just like, that makes no sense. Like, I, I cannot believe that. Like, that makes no sense. And yeah, so I think it's really cool to be able to think we're not going to be able to understand this fully like that is okay having said that um we do want to have a conversation right now about what we can understand from uh, scripture Mm -hmm. from what theologians in the past have um uh, researched and discovered and what our teaching is so 
what we'll do is we'll, we'll start thinking a bit about understanding who God is. And then we'll, we'll move to some of the maybe the problems that we might have with the Trinity um, and how scripture could answer those problems and bring clarity uh, before we finish. Maybe looking at a, a little bit of, of what some of the uh, theologians in the past have said and what some of the creeds say. Um, so to start with, just it's an essential doctrine. We've said that. Um, and I think one thing that's helpful to understand is that within the Bible and scripture, we get this proclamation of the gospel, the good news that reveals God uh, and his heralding message that the apostles, the prophets proclaim. But uh, as well as that, we also have doctrine, um, dogma, as it is known, that kind of brings and groups and systematically pulls together uh, this, this proclamation, this kerygma announcement of good news into a more coherent unity okay. and the trinity is that it falls in the doctrine category it's not um it, it's it's spoken about in in a way that makes sense for salvation but we don't get oh if you turn to matthew 15 or if you turn to acts 18 or if you turn to um, a part of john's letters you get a full explanation mm. of the trinity you know it's not like that the Trinity permeates the Bible. And so what we're going to do is look at the, the, the concept, the doctrine of the Trinity as uh, Christian tradition and theologians have pulled together to help us understand it. And then what we see is that it's an essential doctrine because it actually impacts every, every other doctrine, creation, revelation, salvation. So it's been said that the Trinity is the cockpit of all mm -hmm. Christian thinking. So let's jump mm. into the cockpit and fly. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's an essential doctrine, uh, but it is a doctrine about God's revelation mm. of himself. And obviously for us, um, we turn to scripture for that revelation, as well as the creation, creation and looking around at the world around us. But we recognise, don't we, that we, we, we don't have this mystery that we just hope to find something about God um, in, in scripture. We, we have clarity through Jesus and through his spirit. Uh, and that means that we can know God. Uh, he's not unknowable, he is knowable. Um, so, so actually the Trinity, if it's about God's revelation, if we were to summarize that, well, God is love. Mm -hmm. We know that, don't we? Um, and if, if we think, well, God as Trinity, that's this kind of cold, stodgy, dusty, weird theological term. Well, well no, if God is love and the Trinity is about God, then God is love because mm, God is Trinity. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the lens that we look at this subject through becomes one about relationship, love. Yeah, redemption. I totally get that, actually. I haven't done a huge, huge amount of study on, on the Trinity, but it is something that I've looked at a bit purely through that lens of like um the the idea of trinity as um and, and god as therefore like the perfect model of of community and how we relate to one another and it is just such an eye-opening um picture of god as he is love because he's always been loving um yeah the persons of the trinity have always been loving one another and therefore that's how we can say that that he has always been love is that yeah right. exactly yeah yeah, and we'll explore a bit more of where we get that from in a moment. Uh, but I think just starting, our starting point needs to be seeing God as love, mm. as beautiful, 
as this doctrine that is about knowing this beautiful God who has revealed himself. And we, we, Psalms say things like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, let's enter this discussion with that attitude. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good as we see him um, revealing more of himself as we look at this big word, <laughs> Trinity. Um, so let, let's make it okay. a bit more practical as we start then. So the names of God, we've got, you know, if you're wanting to find out about God, then, you know, for starters, what mm. on earth do you call him? Um, and so, Nicole, how well do you know God? What different names for God can okay, you think so, of? Okay, um, so we actually did this in kids' church a little while ago, so I feel like I should I should know this. Um, so obviously we've got the, the yeah, persons of the Trinity, so you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, which is just a fun name. Um, and then you've got, <laughs> I guess, Yahweh, so the... Um, the personal name of God that is given to is told to the Israelites um, and which is often I think translated in our Bibles as Lord so Lord um, Jehovah which I think is similar to Yahweh I always get a bit confused with those two um, yeah and then you've got like I guess the other thing that springs to mind is like more like the attributes of God the way he'd be called like wonderful counselor prince of peace um, the lion of Judah the lamb who was slain I guess that's probably more referring to Jesus but yeah those kind of names as well so that's yeah that's what springs to mind I've probably missed some big ones that you're going to be like obviously well uh, you definitely <laughs> missed some big ones but you hit some crackers there as well Nicole. it sounds like you've got a good grasp of some of the way that God revealed his himself through his names mm. in the old testament and so yeah if we break it down into those three persons so God the father you've talked about um Lord uh, Yahweh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, other phrases uh, or names of God we come across in the Old Testament are the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, and then those attributes, deliverer, refuge, mm. rock. Um, but that first word, God, is probably mm. the most vague, isn't it? It's the most open-ended. Um, and actually, El, El Hoim, um, this, this, this God, word is used um, for many gods of the nations not just the god of the bible and so whilst we we probably use the word god the most in, in many cases actually the biblical god is god as revealed as mm. lord um, rescuer redeemer of israel and he is like a father so yeah god the father the one who cares for his people um, and then God the Son. So, yeah, we know Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, um, Messiah, yeah. uh, Master, Son of Man, Son of God, Saviour, Emmanuel, all of these. And then God the Spirit. Give us a few other names for God the Spirit, um, Nicole. So, as I said, the Holy Ghost, which I love, absolutely love. Um, How does John, I'm going to give you a pointer. How does John's Gospel the no. helper i'm thinking of like the paraclete is yes. the first word that came to mind i'm not sure if that is what you're looking for um but also like the holy dove as well oh, um, not on it. yeah i'm gonna stop you there paraclete look at that for you know, do we know this <laughs> it is, is greek. great you just chuck it out into mm. the podcast i love it um yeah helper the one who mm. comes alongside counselor yep comforter advocate they're the words that that paraclete 
word is translated into our um, New Testament, John's Gospels at the moment. So actually, we've just listed probably <laughs> 30 yeah. or 40 oh. different names in three minutes, haven't we? And and I, I suppose that's a starting point because this is God's revelation of himself. But already we've identified um, God as three persons, Father, Son and Spirit. And, and so just before we unpack that a bit more, maybe maybe just again to kind of keep this practical rather than this Trinity word just remaining kind of in a book on a shelf that we may never read about. When you pray, how do you engage with God with mm. the names you know who do you pray to through by what, what's your experience um, this is something I've actually thought about quite a lot and not to say that I I don't feel like I've got my theology right on it but I feel I'm quite careful to be like dear God or dear Lord and not start off as dear father because I want to make sure I'm praying to all members of the Trinity and I don't know whether that is correct or not but like in my head I'm like right I'm not going to single them out um but I guess I, I always end by praying in Jesus' name, which I think is something I've picked up from somewhere. I haven't particularly thought about it a lot, but that is something I bring in. Um, and I guess sometimes I, yeah, would think about praying for the spirit to come, um, which again, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure quite about the, haven't got my theology straight behind it but again it's just something that I've fallen into the the practice of doing so yeah I think it's a really interesting question and I hope I'm not um being too yeah saying anything vaguely heretical or you know <laughs> completely wrong <laughs> well I haven't heard any heresy yet so you're all right but no I think actually what you've expressed is is that there's okay, there's no set you. formula there's no, no this is the only way to pray and God yeah. will be upset if you way or to because I've literally just thought that in the Lord's Prayer we pray our Father so like that is fine yeah. of course it is yeah it is and, and actually I would I tend to when I um talk about prayer with young Christians I'd say well the, the best place to start is to address mm, okay. God as mm-hmm. Father because that's what Jesus teaches us to do in the New Testament um not that you can't pray mm. Lord Jesus thank you mm, for dying yeah. for me on the cross and Holy Spirit um fill me with your power come um and and i think that's the truth of the trinity that there are three persons we can pray to god um but often it might be that we pray to our father and we pray in the name of jesus we pray for the spirit to come so that his kingdom may come um and actually again as i say there's no set formula god is a relational god and we can pray to the the individual persons of the trinity and include them within Mm. a prayer but i think that does often our understanding of the trinity comes out in our prayer life interesting yeah so as we grow in our understanding of the trinity it might also impact not just our our kind of um theology but our practices as christians in prayer and in how we maybe talk about the gospel and how we um teach the bible and all sorts so so there's some opening thoughts in the understanding of God and, and just one practical outworking with prayer. But let's let's move then into some of the problems with the Trinity, because I guess that might be uh, helpful um, as the next part of this, the word. So can you just tell me where the word Trinity comes in? The oh, I know the answer to this. It doesn't. It's not in the Bible. Yes. Well done. Yes. 
gold stuff. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you got that one. Yeah, it's not in the Bible. It's a word that has um, been used um, since, I think, around mm. the third century mm. to help clarify yeah. the nature of God and confront mm-hmm. false teaching, mm-hmm. heresy, uh, and instead to provide a doctrinal kind of position, as it were, uh, that the early church fathers had uh, taught and, and, and would fall in line with that. Uh, and yeah, we know what it means, don't we? Tr- yeah. Try, three, uh, and unity. So the oh, unity within, I actually didn't know um, that. <laughs> I've got, I got the try bit. Okay. Like I've always got the try bit, but I didn't get the, the, like the unity bit at the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's the word. But there's lots of words that aren't in the Bible that we would not challenge. Um, so just because mm-hmm, the word Trinity mm-hmm. isn't the Bible doesn't mean that the truth of yeah. the Trinity, uh, of God being three, uh, God, yeah, three persons in, and yet one and oneness of the Godhead. So that's the first thing to say. The second is it's just confusing. <laughs> I think people, and um, we all would admit that. Teaching it at kids' church, Nicole. Wow, yeah. you go for it. I I'm, nail it. I'm um, you have to. No confusion after I'm uh, done. I just, in case that's not clear, that's completely sarcastic. Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. And the truth is, the Trinity yeah. is confusing. Not just because mathematically yeah. we try and figure it out, three into one doesn't go, um, but because we find ourselves trying to use metaphors that don't do the mm. Trinity justice. Um, and so, again, I guess there's different metaphors or analogies that we've used that fall short. So um, what are some of the analogies that we might be tempted to use that, that maybe don't quite come I together? Do, I do, any, yes. You know um, so the, the idea of um, the Trinity being like the three states of water, so ice, water and steam, um, I'm not gonna lie, I can't remember exactly why all of these things are wrong. I just know that they don't quite do it justice. And I know one of them is modalism, but I can't tell you which one. Um, and then the egg yolk, like the an egg, so having an, an egg yolk, an egg white, and then the shell, um, we might use that metaphor as well. And then the shamrock and the three different leaves, I guess. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I thought you might refer to that. Oh, yes. Some Irish words, so. <laughs> we, do, we do love a shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're the three common ones, aren't they? But they, they fall short and modalism is the um, yeah issue because the, the, the modes are, there's a distinctiveness, but there's not, uh, you know, ice is is not all, oh, yeah, there's a, yeah. a water element. But there's not there's a division that is not the you case. You can't for be the ice and so, steam at the same time. Is that kind of what you you mean? That that's right. So the three modes. Separate. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm. So that. Yeah. So God. God. So the the Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Spirit mm. is fully God. Um, uh, there's a a oneness mm. of the Godhead, mm. and yet there's also a distinct. Uh, of the persons of the of the Trinity, so we'll okay. explore that in a, a little bit more shortly. But it's not a sufficient al- analogy. It's kind of a helpful signpost in the right direction. But the best way of understanding the Trinity is to use the metaphors mm-hmm. or the language of the Bible, because that's the revelation of God. So the Father Son mm-hmm. imagery is the most common imagery, really, of that. Now, there's no reference to the spirit in in that particular imagery, but it does help us understand the heart of the Godhead being um, a a loving relationship. 
and one which is linked to life and relationship of of yeah um responsibility and um closeness so we can think about that a little more shortly as well um uh, there are other images but not that that really i think uh, most most don't there's not mm. one category that succinctly explains it for us hence the confusion so we've got the word this confusing element but also false teaching uh, is a problem with the trinity that, that quite easily also modalism there's states there's one person who appears to us in different right, forms yeah. modes mm-hmm. well well no because there's three persons there's not one mm. person in three modes there's there's one um god in three persons so that's modalism and then you might have yeah, heard of arianism yeah, i have couldn't tell you what it is but i have heard of it so, so arian um taught uh in in i think the third or fourth century that basically um jesus christ oh yes i did know divine. that yeah mm-hmm yeah, he denied the full deity of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and and so his starting point was was the Son, and therefore the Father must have created right, yeah. the Son, and so therefore, um, uh, yeah, that it couldn't fully be divine mm-hmm. like the Father, and, and so you end up with the wrong starting point leading to the wrong conclusions, rather than the concept that Athanasius, who challenged him in his teaching. Um, said, well, well, no, because you can have an eternal father, an eternal son, therefore there's an eternal mm. relationship of love, and the father be- begets the son. It's not a created, made, um, kind of superhuman. Uh, this is this is an eternal relationship. So his starting point wasn't the son in the same sense, but the f- eternal father, eternal son, and the outworking of that mm. in the Trinity. So Athanasius challenged that false teaching. And um, yeah, so this begotten, not made concept comes up in the yeah. Council of Nicaea in AD yeah. 325 uh, that would to help clarify these mm. false teaching um, heresies. And then the other one I'll just mention in passing is sub, subordinationism, mm-hmm. subordinationism, a bit of a mouthful. So the, the son is eternal, fine, uh, uncreated, but not mm. equal to the father. Mm-hmm. He's actually inferior to the father because he's sent to earth. He's um uh, exercises the will of the father and is therefore uh, subjected to the authority of the father and um yeah not equal and again that's a teaching that has been recognized as false teaching and a misunderstanding of the relationships within the the, the trinity that the councils and creeds such as the nicene creed have sought to correct uh, mm, okay yeah that's really helpful thank you well yeah Yeah. so false teaching issue so how do we overcome these problems um Mm, that's where i want to move to so i'll I'll kind of clarify a few things and then we'll look Mm -hmm. at a bit of scripture and we can discuss that together um so the better than using uh, our own analogies is the metaphors of scripture the relationship of the trinity as uh, three persons of the trinity and how they relate to one another in their role within creation within redemption and so what's been stated is that god is three persons are distinct and um, there's a uniqueness not a sameness across the three persons but each person is fully god therefore there is one god so there's a unity yet a diversity within the trinity father son and holy spirit there's a diversity of role 
of um, personhood, but there's a unity across the Godhead because each are fully God. And that is something we can't fully get our heads around. And I think we we have to kind of trust and rely on the, the um, revelation mm. of scripture, but we can categorize these three things. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. Mm. There is one God. So as we look at um, the revelation of God in Jesus, um, who reveals God fully, the word became flesh. Um, and, and you know, in Hebrews 1, I think it talks about in the past, God spoke to us via the prophets. Um, and there was almost this partial revelation. But now um, uh, God has revealed to us in his son that we might know the um, the fullness of God, the, the radiance of God, the fullness of God in Christ. So as we, we look, we kind of need to remember that Jesus is the, uh, the, the, the way that we see uh, the most of God yeah. in Scripture, for the fullest revelation. But, but let's, let's look at the Bible. Um, so Bible <laughs> passages about the Trinity. Have you ever been asked that question, um, Nicole? I don't know that I have, actually. I feel like I have looked at it somewhere, but yeah. Do you, do you want me to, to give you some? Is, is that are you putting me on the spot here? Okay. Yeah, go on. You know, you know if someone, you know, someone says to you, I'm not sure about the Trinity. Where on earth do I start? What does the Bible even mm, say about okay. it? What passages might So the first mind? one that comes to mind would be the like Genesis 1, where you have um, the spirit hovering over the water with God like, at the beginning of creation. Um a really obvious one would be Jesus' baptism with, yeah, obviously you've got Jesus being dunked and then the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove and, and the father saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, and then I'm, I'm basically only saying this because I happened to be reading yesterday in preparation for a youth talk, but like John um, kind of 15, 16 talks quite a lot about um the father and the son relationship, like knowing each other, glorifying each other and the spirits, spirit coming as, as a helper as well. Um, I think those would be the ones that I guess jumped to mind first. Although I'm, I'm sure there's more. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and, and what you've done there is you've pointed at the very start of um, the Bible, Genesis, an indication of um, God being more than mm. singular. Um, and also you, you've, you've referred to the person of Jesus and how he uh, reveals and, and backs that up, as it were. So really helpful. We'll, we'll look at a few verses. Have you got Genesis one yeah. twenty six possibly open? Find or it. could you find it and read that verse to us? And we'll look at a few verses in, Revel in the Old mm -hmm. Testament and how we see a bit of partial revelation of the Trinity and then a fuller revelation in the New Testament. Okay, afterwards. so just check Genesis one twenty six. Uh, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Thanks. So let mm. us and mm -hmm. in our. So God is is referring to himself um, in a plural sense. And this is called the plural. Oh, okay, majesty. yeah, that's what I was just about you to ask. So is, is this like a royal we or is yeah. is this something different? Exactly that. It's a royal, it, it, it's a, there's an element mm -hmm. of royal we. Um, and so there's, that's one verse. Chapter 3, 22, 
um, would be another example. Uh, sorry, was that chapter three, twenty-two? Did you say? Twenty-two. Yeah. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat forever. Nope. Yeah. Anyway. Great. That's, 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 yeah. that's it. So like mm. one of us. Um, and then there, there's another reference uh, or two in Genesis. But let's jump to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And just while you find that, so in the Genesis early accounts, we, we have a number of examples then, don't we? As you've already mentioned, um, in the beginning, God created mm -hmm. the heavens and the earth and the, the spirit was hovering over the water. You've got God, mm. spirit, and then the word of God, uh, let there be. So actually, if we understand uh, the person of the son being the eternal son, the eternal word of God, the word mm. became flesh. We actually have a God god the father god the son in the eternal word and god the spirit in the first few verses of scripture chapter um three then backs it up with made in our image uh, like us and now um yeah isaiah 6 8. then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us and i said here i am send me Thank you. So the call of Isaiah, who shall mm. go for us? So who's going to be involved in taking this message that I, Isaiah had to take to the people of Israel? So just one other example there of, of um, the Trinity in the, the Old Testament, this 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 we, mm. us, our uh, mm. language. Um, and then actually, if just one other passage that's worth referring to. So Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Um, which is, mm -hmm. is quite well known. It's known as the Shema. Um, so if you could read that, um, thank you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Excellent. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord mm -hmm. is one. So we have um, both this, the, the, the kind of royal we, this plurals mm -hmm. of majesty, um, and also this oneness. And the oneness isn't meant to be singularity. Mm -hmm but mm, unity interesting so this is this is how we're understanding um we get lots of examples of the spirit uh, in the life of the prophets um uh, and god's revelation through his name so so that's the kind of picture through the old testament and one who will come that is an anointed one a christ mm. a, a messiah a redeemer savior a servant of the lord who will somehow fulfill uh where the the prophets and the kings of Israel failed. So there's that understanding throughout the Old Testament. Let's jump to the yeah. New Testament. And you've already highlighted mm -hmm. Jesus' baptism, so I don't think we'll read that. You've, you've talked about um, the, the Jesus physically as, as a man being baptised, the Spirit descending on him like a bove, and the declaration mm. from heaven, the Father speaking words of love over the Son. Maybe you could read the Great yeah. Commission for us, chapter 28. 19 of Matthew's gospel and that so at the start of Matthew we get a, a very clear display of the Trinity and at the, the very end of Matthew we get uh, so this. therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit thank you very mm. well known isn't it and there we have it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not accidental. That teaches us something yeah. of the nature of God. 
um, and at what point is that name declared at the start of the journey of a disciple over and in the name of spearheading mission evangelism so this is central for discipleship for mission for christian thinking obviously throughout the new testament there's lots of other examples um, in in ephesians 1 the spiritual blessings mm. that are in christ to the praise of god mm. the seal of the holy spirit and there's the grace may the grace of um, the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen. Um, there we go. Uh, so the New Testament has lots and lots of uh, places that we could turn to. Uh, and before we we think a, a little bit about John, as you referred, I think at this point it'd be good just to understand something of what is called Trinitarian Ooh. missiology. Very um, exciting oh, words. Did you like that? <laughs> Uh, the, mm. the roles mm. within the Trinity. Uh, we see this in creation and in redemption. We've, we've looked at creation a bit already. So in redemption, in mission. So the Father, Son and Spirit. Nicole, I actually know that you really like and you've read quite a bit about John's Trinitarian <laughs> missiology. Could you just tell us a little bit and I'll, I'll kind of fill in any um, gaps? Yes, but now I feel very, very on the spot and like I'm definitely going to say something that's completely not right. Um, yeah, so obviously when we talk about missiology, we're talking about like the theology of mission. Um, so we're talking about the Trinitarian as, um, yeah, as part of or how God reveals his his mission to reconcile the, the world to him. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at things like the father um is loving the world so he is sending the the son to us and we yeah we understand his love um for us uh through that um and yeah as i think i can't remember i might have said it before earlier or not they kind of glorify one another as part of that mission um and and jesus comes and he, yeah reveals god's love calls us into into serving him and then we have the the spirit who helps us as um, to be part of of God's church, God's kingdom, to to kind of, I want to say almost like get alongside God to to take that mission that He He has to us and to share that with other people. Um, that's a very very brief answer, and yeah, there's definitely stuff I haven't I've missed. Oh but... wow, off the cuff, really no spot on. Thank you so much, and and that's it. So as we think about the roles within the Trinity. Um, this trinitarian missiology is a concept to keep in mind so the father yeah. plans redemption sends the son in his name um, the son is sub subject to the father in that he obeys mm -hmm. the father's will and accomplishes it and we read a lot in john's gospel about I, i've got a task i'm i've got a mission i've I, mm -hmm. i've completed i've finished yeah. the task in the glory exactly so the father sending the son the son obeying the father's will and mm. completing um the uh task of dying on a cross and rising and, in, and also God's i guess glory. sorry just jump in but also yeah like his task of um showing us how to live the perfect life in service to god how to live as part of that kingdom as well right to be the example yes definitely yeah so the task is not just um um uh, coping for 33 years on earth until he has to die. it's it's actually embodying the kingdom um so that we can learn how to live for the king yes so the, the father planning sending the son obeying accomplishing and the spirit being sent by the father and the son 
to regenerate um, his people, sanctify and empower his believers. So that that sending word theme um, mission um, is really critical in the Trinity, uh, as well as being a relationship of of, mm. of, of love, Father for the Son uh, and the Spirit, uh, this interactive, uh, dynamic relationship of life-giving love that it actually mm. spills over into creation, into humanity, and therefore the Father sends the Son, the Son accomplishes the task and uh, gathers his people through the power of the Spirit. So three persons of the Godhead united in one mm. in one mission, um, and that again helps us to see the Trinity not as this confusing, cold, stodgy, dark, weird kind of concept, but something that's about mm. you and me, that is about the greatest um, mm. act of love in the universe, of self sacrifice, of life giving, um, and, and again, so seeing God's revelation in those terms. Uh, yeah really definitely helpful. I think yeah think about it as a relationship right and and how yeah that really impacts us how we're drawn into that relationship as well is is very powerful yeah completely mm. and and this is what the likes of Athanasius were, were fighting for and wrote Good creeds about actually and so all, <laughs> exactly those early centuries after the apostles died and as the um, canon of scripture came together and as theology uh, around doctrines like the Trinity, the divinity of Christ were debated and discussed. Um, they, they came up with creeds to establish these teachings in forms that could not be disputed and could be held together um, and uh, yeah, have since been um, recognized as a part mm -hmm. of Orthodox Christianity. Um, do you know any any creeds that are relevant um, um, to this? I don't know the wording. I only know the names and the dates, which you've already said. So there's no point in me repeating it. But it's it's something. So obviously, yeah, you've got the Apostles' Creed, that very first one, and the Nicene Creed, which is I think then um, like 50 years later, they then in the Creed of Constantinople, they yeah kind of cement it a bit more. But basically, that just cement that we believe in one God. But then also stating, but we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit as equally, like equal persons of the Godhead. But yeah, I couldn't, I can't name the. Exactly. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to ad lib, just state them like that. Although there is quite a movement yeah. towards us going back mm -hmm. to these creeds and, you know, catechism and, and the importance of mm. teaching through uh, understanding the important truths of scripture and doctrine. I'll, I'll just read a little quote from part of the Athanasian Creed, which was initially written about 100 years really? after Athanasius, actually, so he didn't formulate it, but he it established his teaching. Um, and then it was developed so from the, the 5th century and, and I think finally revised mm. in the 8th century. He said, or, or the Creed says, whosoever will be saved, before all things it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith, that's yeah, the, yeah. the universal orthodox, orthodox faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled. Without doubt, he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity mm. in unity. And that's really what he, he lived and died for um, in challenge to Arius, who, who confronted that approach. Uh, and so we have this wonderful kind of 
doctrine of the Trinity that is actually all about a God that is kind, loving, life-giving, uh, the eternal Father, the eternal Son, the eternal Spirit. And, um, and as we understand that, we see that the Trinity is more about the relationship of the Godhead and that uh, enabling um, us to see more of his love and as we see more of the love within the Godhead, we see that spilling over into, into mm. humanity through the Trinitarian missiology, the, the mission of God to save a people for himself, to share and enjoy the loving fellowship of the Trinity, of the Godhead. Um, so God is not distant and loveless, which was kind of Arian's God, um, but actually uh, Athanasius God, the God of the Bible, the God that we uh, seek to know more and more is a God of kind love relationship and in inviting us to share and partake in that uh, all through the death of his son and the empowering work mm. of the spirit. And I'll read one more quote from someone called Mike, mm-hmm. Michael Reeves, who's written a, a great book, The Good God, on enjoying the father, son and spirit. And if you want to find out more about this, that would be my book recommendation book, to yeah. you. So he says uh, on this theme, the spirit stirs up the delight of the father in the son and the delight of the son in the father, inflaming their love and so binding them together in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that that's amazing. Isn't it? It's a focus there is very much a stirring up, a delighting of one another within the, the, the Godhead and a inflaming of love that binds fellowship. And that is the fellowship that we're invited into when we become believers in, in God. We, as it says in 1 John 1, um, share in the fellowship of God. And that's, I think, amazing um, for us to consider. So that kind of leads me towards kind of saying, so what? Yeah. why does it really matter as we draw to a, a kind of end mm. of, of this? What would you say, Nicole, and, and I can kind of conclude with a few comments, why why is the Trinity so important? Oh, why is it so important? I guess kind of for me anyway, um, it's, it's two things. It's that thing that we talked about right at the beginning that fundamentally God is love. Like if if God is, is existing as three persons who are just in a, who are unified, uh, loving one another constantly, then when we say God is love, we know that is true. And we know that is one of the foundational aspects of who God is. And for me, that's really important um, because then he is not this distant um, God, especially yeah, when we consider what you said about that he draws us into that relationship, that part of the Trinity is about God's mission of, of reconciliation. Um, so for, I guess, in understanding God's character better, that's why it's really important to me. Um, but also as we seek to, do community as we seek to live um, with one another as Christians and, and we hold God up to be that example that we should be aiming and striving for, that we should be loving one another in that way and being, um, I guess, submissive to one another in the ways that we see the son being submissive to the to the father, even though they're equal. Um, yeah, and, and I guess unified in, in God as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, I guess, why it's important to me. Um, what what are your thoughts on this, Oz? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think exactly the same. And that, therefore, that impacts yeah. our prayer life, it impacts our community as a church, because we're if we're united in God, um, then we want to experience relationships like he does. And that should be a part of our makeup as a, as a body of believers. Um, I think I think the beauty of of God captures this. The Trinity captures the truth mm. of God's being. Um, and so as we see that, we taste and see mm. that the Lord is good. We can experience that now, not just in the future, because it's about fellowship now. Um, and, and therefore, as we share the good news of Jesus with others, um, that's a wonderful, uh, you know, life to the full, mm. enjoying God. That's that's the Christian life, not doing stuff. Um, and and yeah, I think I think it's for our evangelism, for our prayer life, for how we do church community. The Trinity is 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 yeah key, and also then finally, I, I think it's important because it helps us identify false teaching, as it underpins everything. So if we we see an aspect of the Trinity coming under question. Um, then we've got to be quite careful. Oh, because mm. that's going to impact salvation, um, our understanding of uh, church community, our understanding of create. You know, the, the building blocks of our Christian faith begin to be shaken and fall apart. Part. So I think um, let's be people <laughs> like Athanasius and stand on this and defend it and proclaim it and rejoicing it. And so yeah, why is why does it matter? Because of that, and why is it re- relevant? Well because um, we get to know this God. And so as we read the Bible, as we pray, as we do life together with God, um, it's all about the relationship uh, that we can enjoy. So I think somebody once said, uh, you know, how, how do you even define the Trinity? Well, you can't define it in any other way than it's the Father, Son and Spirit loving one another. And we get to oh, be a part that of that. That is so amazing. Um yeah, and I think we'll end on that because that's a great thought to leave it with. Um, so yeah, thank you so much uh, for taking us through that, Oz. I found it absolutely fascinating. Hopefully everyone listening has found it um, as equally as fascinating. And yeah, if you do want to read more, then uh, Mike Reeves, the, was it the Good God, is a fantastic book to start. Um, but that is all from us today um, and we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, tune in next week for our next instalment.